0: Hello, and welcome to the Blackout Podcast, where I get to talk to amazing people that do amazing things. And today I have Taylor Lynn Love. Yeah. I got it right this time. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
0: So first off, congratulations on being one of our giveaway winners. And you won the float with the flotation center.
1: Yep, that's booked for after the podcast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's crazy because like I always say I want to take a float, but like, then I get that I chicken out. So I need to do it myself now. Because, you know, um, so my friend Lindsay, uh, she owns the flotation, She runs and owns a flotation center. And she's always like, do it. And everyone <laughs> I know that's done the float, love it. Everyone. So I can guarantee you, you love it. Even though I've not done it yet.
1: <laughs> I
0: can't wait. <laughs> also, thanks for coming all the way from Cape Breton.
1: Long drive, three hours. <laughs> oh, man. You know,
0: it's funny. Every year I keep saying, I'm going to go. And this was going to be the year, but then COVID happened.
1: Hey, Atlantic bubble.
0: Yeah, you know, we have that. But then, like, it, it, when it happened, it moved, like, had to move a lot. Of, so yeah. my life is kind of planning. F- Four to five month batches. Yep. So just throwing that off, threw a lot of things off. Now nah, I'm just struggling. But mm-hmm. I'm thankful I have my, I call them my Avengers. They yeah. make everything <laughs> seem like I know what I'm doing, even though I don't.
1: No one really, <laughs> let's be real, no one really knows what they're doing. Thank We're all just you. trying our best.
0: <laughs> so um, let's start with something like autism. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I know, like, uh, I, I, when you want a thing, you know, I, I talked to you and I found out, uh, actually, what's your handle again? That's what caught me, your Instagram handle.
1: Yeah, Aspirational Autistic.
0: Exactly. I'm like, what is that about? So, I'm just going to ask you, tell me a little bit about why you decided to uh, use that handle.
1: Well, I was actually only diagnosed two years ago. Mm. I'm 26 tomorrow, and I was diagnosed just a couple months before my 24th birthday. So I went most of my life not knowing who I was. Oh, wow. And I was someone who does and still does have a lot of goals. So uh, autistic is used as a self-descriptor in the autistic community instead of person with autism. It's self-identifying language. Oh, okay. So I want to make sure that my advocacy uses the language that our community does. And aspirational was a pun of inspirational and aspirations because I wanted to both inspire people, but also work on my own goals in the process of my advocacy work. Mm, So let's put those words together and it works.
0: Yeah, it does work. I love it. (laughs) And what are some of these aspirations you have, some of these goals you have?
1: Uh, Currently working on my documentary, A Strong Name, but my biggest one is I want to be able to go to university. Only one in three people on the autism spectrum manage to go to university. Oh. And due to barriers that we face, only 26 to 39% of us actually graduate. So I want to be one of those one in three and help break those barriers for other people.
0: Mm, What are some of these barriers?
1: Educational barriers such as lack of accommodations, lack of diagnosis cost is unfortunately through the roof and people who are disabled are twice as likely to live in poverty Mm. the reality is a lot of us want to do these amazing things we want to live standard lives but the system just isn't made for us
0: Mm. Mm. wow it's one of those things where If you're not experiencing it, you really don't have an idea of what the person is going through. Exactly. So let's talk about why your diagnosis happened so late in life.
1: Uh, Like a lot of autistic girls and women-aligned people, I learned to do something called masking, which means we would hide our traits so we wouldn't get bullied, we wouldn't get picked on. Mm. Growing up, I was told even by teachers and people in authority, Aside from my parents, my parents were very supportive. Mm -hmm. I was told that I had to just try harder to fit in. I was told that if I was being made fun of and pushed around in gym class, I had to do more work outside of gym class to be more skilled, more dexterous. Turns out I have something called, um, I'm trying to remind the exact wording, but it's dyspraxia, which is difficulties with motor skills. That's really common with people who are on the spectrum. Mm. So I couldn't try harder out of a neurological condition, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So on top of that, I was a highly intelligent student. Uh, I've only gotten in trouble like once in my life in school, and it was when I had just started primary.
0: <laughs> what well, we'll happened
1: <laughs> It's my mom's—it's a favorite story of my mom, but I got called home about two weeks into school, and my teacher goes— Your daughter's pretending to read during silent reading. Mom's just like, what are you talking about? Mm. She's reading fifth grade level books. (laughs) Yeah. So? Does she even know what's going on? She's reading Goosebumps books. That's not appropriate for her age. And the first thing that comes out of my mom is... You should be happy she didn't bring her Stephen King. Because <laughs> 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 my mom was a huge Stephen King fan, so I was reading like her copies of Misery and Carrie and everything at like five years old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. What did you think of those books, Jereba? I
1: still love anything horror-based. Oh. Uh, my big thing was Anne Green Gables at a- at that age, but I had such an intense level of books due to something called hyperlexia.
0: What was that?
1: It's a trait that, again, is sometimes found in autistic people and sometimes people who aren't autistic. It's highly accelerated rates of literacy skills. Oh. So I was like this, I was a kid who was reading, like, Edgar Allan Poe. Oh. While other kids were reading, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. So, as you can imagine, <laughs> I did not relate to children my age.
0: <laughs> Whoa. Wow, okay, well, that's uh, that's good trouble so it was, to get in. It
1: was just like, okay, this kid's just really gifted, <laughs> but we don't know what to do with her.
0: Uh, yeah. So, you know, and that actually adds to one of these barriers you're talking yeah, about. Yeah,
1: like, if you don't know who you are until you're almost 24, that just throws you out a loop. Mm. It's like, oh, I get diagnosed, and the psychiatrist I was in the office with was just, just looks at me, and she's just like, you knew there was something different about you at three years old, but you didn't have the medical degree to back it up.
0: Mm. Like you know,
1: being three years old, you don't.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the thing was, it's so interesting because doctors and teachers and stuff didn't recognize something in me. But you know, third grade Betty over there is like, okay, this one, this one's weird. We're <laughs> diagnosing her with weird.
0: Kids can be mean. <laughs> Kids can be mean. Yeah.
1: But when i got diagnosed again one of my favorite stories was in my diagnosis letter it outright says there is no doubt in my mind that taylor is on the spectrum when she came in for a general assessment the first words out of her mouth were i like your carpet oh. <laughs> so it's like Yeah, no, it wasn't, hello, how are you today, nice weather, it was, I just really liked her carpet and I had to tell her it was nice. (laughs) So apparently, yeah, that's a big cue for social communication difficulties. Mm. So, that's where I led up to, but it's been an interesting journey to that point.
0: Yeah, I guess, you know, so we had all these experiences all these years why? What made you decide to go get di- Well, go for a diagnosis at that time.
1: Unfortunately, it was a mental health crisis. Um, it's very common in autistic adults to not get diagnosed until you have a mental health crisis due to the lack of resources and general access to diagnosis, especially in rural Nova Scotia. Oh. I'm in a town of like three thousand people, oh. and. My mom, actually, my mom, Adele, was watching David Suzuki's The Nature of Things, and it was an episode on women who had ADHD. And she saw traits of it in me, and she's like, okay, we're going to go see the doctor because I'm seeing traits traits of you and these women.
0: Mm.
1: Turns out, right tree, different branch. Oh, yeah. So it turns yeah. out it was autism instead of ADHD. Mm. So it was... Difficult. I was in a really bad mental health rut. I'm mm. one of the 40% of autistic people who have a co occurring anxiety disorder. What was that? Um, 40% of autistic people also have an anxiety disorder. Okay. Often as a result of bullying and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's really unfortunate that we have to experience trauma before we can get a diagnosis.
0: Yeah, that's actually sad to imagine, even.
1: It's something, like, I've learned to laugh about my experiences, Mm. but there's so many people still falling through the cracks, and my mom said herself, like, she doesn't want anyone to suffer like I did.
0: Mm. Mm. So do you find, you know, being diagnosed that late kind of led you to your advocacy work?
1: Definitely. I Unfortunately, so many marginalized people, our lives are politicized. And often people who have neurodevelopmental disorders have to become advocates just to survive and function in society. To get the rights we need to accommodation and things like that. Because otherwise, if we don't have anything on paper, we have to try harder and fend for ourselves. I was someone who always really enjoyed looking into social justice and things like that. And I always had skills with writing and I enjoyed speaking. I was the theater kid. (laughs) Once you're a theater kid, you're always a theater kid. So I enjoyed like being able to speak and things like that. So I used the skills that I had innately and I had learned to cope with throughout my life to try and help other people through aspirational autistic. What really propelled me into it though was as one specific milestone um i had seen an advertisement for cbc's you can't ask that it was a docuseries that was looking for people with disabilities from across canada to answer questions that people don't want to say to our face Mm. (laughs) it's like i'm really curious about this but if i say to your face i might get hit (laughs) 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 and so i said you know what Let's let's audition just to say I got out of my comfort zone because mm-hmm. my again I have anxiety, mm-hmm. so it's like okay let let's use an audition as a stepping stone just to people say okay I tried this thing good job me, mm. I get a call two months later hey you're going to Montreal, <laughs> 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 I'm like oh shoot okay let's do this.
0: Did you have to go alone or
1: I that was the first time like flying by myself oh, well, actually wow. second time I was a kid the first time I flew by myself as an unaccompanied minor. Mm. But it was my first time in Montreal and you have to note, this was only three months after I got diagnosed. Oh boy. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm still trying to come into my own here. Yeah, yeah. And now yeah, I have to yeah. be in a national docuseries. Okay. <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> but it was a super fun experience. I absolutely loved it. Some of what the qu- did,
0: what I guess it involved you get to Montreal and then what happens?
1: Basically I went to a studio and I was sat down. In front of the background, and I had questions I had to pick up and answer because it was recording my live expressions for it. Mm. So it was questions like, Do you hate people? <laughs> oh, no way. And,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And honestly, like that question hit me hard because only a month prior, my now late father was diagnosed with cancer. Oh. So my first thing was just, No, I don't hate people. And I just looked at the camera. I'm like, my father's dealing with stage four cancer right now. Do you think I hate him? Because mm. unfortunately, a lot of people still think autistic individuals don't have the emotional capacity to grieve, to care. And then there was other questions. On the other hand, it was like, aren't you just odd?
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That that too. <laughs> like, I've am I weird because I'm autistic or am I weird as a personality type? Mm. I don't know. I don't care at this point. I'm owning it. <laughs> like... It's really, it was really interesting to see what people thought of me and people like me mm. before I was diagnosed. So it's like, wow, that's some insight into people's minds. Mm-hmm. But from there, in July, excuse me, January 2019, that's when I quote-unquote registered aspirational autistic, and it just kind of
0: mm. took
1: off from there. <laughs>
0: What are some of the things you do for the advocacy through aspirational autistic?
1: A lot of it is social media based. Um, a lot of it is like infographics that have um, image descriptions for people who use screen readers. Um, I'm actually arranging with the town of Port Hawkesbury to hopefully host a neurodiversity pride flag raising in April. We were going to do it this April and then.
0: Yeah. COVID. Thanks, COVID.
1: COVID. <laughs> COVID. It's like we're all running on COVID time right now. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of threw everything off. Yeah. Um,
0: what would I involve, though, the the thing at Port Hawkesbury? Pardon? What would it involve? The it would
1: basically yeah. be an official recognition by the town of Port Hawkesbury of the autistic community and culture within the straight area. mm. Uh, One in 59 people are autistic, so when you think about it, when you have a town of 3,000 people, you're going to have a little pocket of us, and then you're going to have people who love and care for us, like our family, our friends. So, in a way, we do have our own little subculture, even though it's very spread out geographically due mm. to being rural. So, it would be recognition, uh, speeches talking about like autistic communication, our history... And then to actually uh, raise the Neurodiversity Pride flag, which is a rainbow infinity symbol. Oh,
0: I didn't know this.
1: Uh, Rainbow recognizes anything like ADHD, autism, um, Tourette's, various developmental disorders, things like that. Mm -hmm. And if it is a gold infinity sign, it specifically represents autism. Because AU is the symbol for gold in the periodic table, oh, so AU for autism. Yeah,
0: gotcha, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, yeah. So, it hopefully it happens hopefully. in April.
1: <laughs> hopefully. Other than that, it's a, a strong name documentary, which is pretty intense right now. <laughs> so, let's
0: talk about a strong name. Why did you choose that ch- uh, title first, and then why did you decide to make this film?
1: It's actually named after my mother. Um, Whenever I'm experiencing hardship, such as when my dad passed away, my mother would just look me in the face and she would say, why did I give you that name, as in Taylor? And my response was always the same, because it's a strong name for a strong woman. She gave me that name because it would be something strong to hold on to even when I felt there was nothing to hold on to anymore. So I wanted to name the documentary after her because... She's always been my rock. Mm. Her and I have a similar personality. We have the same taste in music, same taste in films. So we're like this. Mm-hmm. So I chose the name of that documentary to honor her. And so I, whenever I mention documentary and someone asks that, it's like, it's an honor of my mom. Because mm-hmm. she is the strongest woman I know. And it, in a way it comes full circle because due to stigma of autism... And even now on social media, autistic, the term autistic is used as a homophobic dog whistle, a transphobic dog whistle, racist dog whistles for offensive memes and hu- quote-unquote humor. So in a way, autism in itself is a strong name. Oh. But the documentary itself is about not my experiences on the spectrum, but now turning outward And interviewing autistic individuals throughout rural and small communities of Nova Scotia and Mm -hmm. Mi'kma'ki, talking to their families, healthcare providers, policymakers, all to try and paint pictures of what it's really like to not have resources for diagnosis, what it's like to experience mental health issues while being autistic, Mm -hmm. what it's like to be a parent and feeling socially isolated due to having autistic children and not being able to relate with other parents the National Autism Strategy that's currently in the works in the federal government. How do all of these parts reflect autistic culture and community, and how does it reflect greater issues at hand, such as, like, the doctor's crisis? What's that? The doctor's crisis and the doctor's shortage. Um, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: that. Yeah. yeah, okay.
1: I think if you ask anyone, yeah. you'll,
0: yeah. you'll yeah.
1: hear a story. It's like, I waited eight hours in the ER, and they just sent me home <laughs> with some Tylenol. <laughs> Like, when you think of the doctor shortage, you just think of, like, ERs being closed, you think of long waits for any sort of treatment, and it's all terrible, but what's the side, what are, what are the stories that aren't being told under the shadow? So I was hoping with this documentary it'll show these stories and that maybe more people won't fall through the cracks like I did.
0: Mm. Uh, how long have you been working on it now
1: it's an early stage production right now we actually are doing the kickstarter right now to try and fund equipment because i'm actually working two jobs to try and help fund this
0: (laughs) so when you say fund equipment what do you like camera
1: laptop i'm recording on a cell phone right now (laughs) like (laughs) i'm working two jobs i'm a cashier and a waitress to to try and fund this
0: this really matters to you.
1: It's a passion project. The way I see it, it's like if I don't hit my Kickstarter goal, which we actually just did a couple of days ago. Happy birthday to me. Thanks. Nice. Shout out to the community. But the way I see it, it's like even if I didn't raise goal even if I had to continue recording on a cell phone and delete memes off my phone to try and make space <laughs> just because I didn't have expensive equipment. If I didn't have a fancy camera, if I don't have a laptop, that doesn't mean our stories are worth less. No. If something needs to be told, there will be a way to find a way to tell it.
0: Yeah. No. So that's my entire thing. Uh, um. Like I remember I've made a few films and, Still one of the most powerful ones I made on a cell phone.
1: Yeah, and nowadays, like, let's be honest, you can record in 4K on a phone now Pretty anyway. Much, yeah. But, like, our stories aren't worth less because it's coming from a rural perspective. It's not worth less because it's coming from a low-income perspective. It's not worth less because it's a passion project. It's not something that's being made by big media and, like, Hollywood. Mm. It's a specifically meant to be real stories because so much of what we learn about autism is not from our own perspective we like to say nothing about us without us because for so long autistic people were pushed into institutions where Uh, even just a couple generations ago people like me would be the ones locked in the attic and not spoken about or they would be the person who would like drink to cope with the stress of not being diagnosed because you didn't get diagnosed mm-hmm. years ago so it's a passion project so maybe so that hopefully stories will be told so that people can get a diagnosis so they stop suffering in silence mm-hmm. because it is a beautiful thing to be autistic i experience the world in such different ways through sensory integration through my communication through the skills of hyperlexia that I wouldn't have had if I wasn't autistic. Mm. Why should our stories be viewed through a lens of tragedy when we could tell our stories through our own lens? Mm. Through our own view? Instead of being spoken over and told that... Like, I was told that I hope my child is never diagnosed with what you have.
0: But I- Sorry, I was just—I was gonna spit raw, but I'm just—I don't know why anybody would say that. It's I say that out loud.
1: Yeah, like the comments I get are—am I allowed to say interesting at best? Mm. Um, like I am a very openly queer, openly non-binary person, very openly and proudly autistic, but. I have lost count of how many times my advocacy pages have gotten rated by, like, alt-right meme pages just mm. because apparently it's funny to pick on the autistic one. Or apparently it's funny to pick on the disabled people. And if people who are marginalized can start bringing their stories forward, maybe that can change. We can reclaim our existence. And I've accepted the hate at this point. It's luckily it's so easy to ban pages and then if you don't respond to them they get bored within about 48 hours. <laughs> like I can take it like but I'm doing it for people who can't. Like this when I made my video for the Kickstarter, I said outright this isn't my story; it's ours, because we are a community, and I'm damn proud of my community. We have overcome so many barriers and so much ableism, so much pain, and we're we're a tough bunch.
0: <laughs> I mean, you clarify one, because like I I have I don't know yeah, just my, I can't even imagine the things that you've been through and. How do you cope?
1: Is it is an acceptable response? Like, I'm very not ashamed to have anxiety medication. Like, honestly. Um, I started taking medication for my anxiety. I'm in occupational therapy to help with my general life skills. Self-care is not reading the comments. <laughs> 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 um, Like, seriously, self-care is not reading the comments half the time. Because mm. you... I get some interesting debates between people in the comments. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to continue doing what I do, and I'm not going to engage these trolls. <laughs> it's not worth my mental health at this point. Yeah. After a while, you start to learn and figure out, okay, this person is actually worth engaging and educating, Oh, and this person, uh, no, th- th- this you get the ban hammer. Mm. You are upsetting me. You are upsetting people in the comments who are just trying to educate. You are sea lioning, which means you're just going to keep asking questions to take up our time to annoy us.
0: Oh, sea lioning. Okay. Yeah. We know that.
1: Yeah, it's an internet term. i um, like just general self care, and at this point, knowing that I'm doing this for a reason. Mm. I can again I'm I can handle the nonsense I'm de- I deal with with people and I'm doing it for people who still don't know who they are and they haven't found that self-love in their identity yet. Mm. And honestly, I'm doing it for I keep thinking of this kid I met in Anniganish. I had went to an LGBT pride coffee house back in June of 2019. Because uh, I was doing performance poetry. And I ended up, at the last second, throwing in a poem that I had wrote for Autistics Aloud, which is Autism Nova Scotia's autistic-run publication of, like, art, poetry, articles, things like that. All of an autistic perspective. Mm-hmm. And it was just talking about my experiences in the autistic community and my self-identity. And afterwards, I get pulled aside by mom and this kid. He was probably about 10. Mm-hmm. And turns out he thought he was the only queer autistic person in Nova Scotia. Wow. He thought he was alone. And he saw me as someone who was very out, queer, and autistic. Mm. And he realized he wasn't alone at that point. And the times that parents will virtually come up to me and say that they understand their kid better. Because they never really knew what it was They, of course, didn't know what it was like to be autistic, and they wanted to try and support their kid best they could. Hmm. People have told me that they ended up getting their diagnosis because, through my advocacy work, they recognized traits in themselves. Like, my mom saw traits of ADHD in me, which led to my autism diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So, people got diagnosed, and now they're getting the supports they need. Drama is drama, but... Knowing that you're making an impact for somebody not feel so alone is worth it. Mm. People can say whatever they want behind a keyboard. <laughs>
0: yeah, stupid people. <laughs> like, uh, really? Like, I think once you know, it kind of gives them this layer. Um, you know, the knows yeah. who I am, so yeah. I can go ahead and spew whatever bullshit I, bo- I want to say. Um, <laughs> so you held your Kickstarter. What uh, what like? <clears throat> What uh? What is the intention with the funds you raised from that um project?
1: Laptop and a camera, so I'm not burning out my poor cell phone because I need that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, one. St- Do you have
0: like a specific camera you're looking for?
1: Um, uh, Canon Rebel sl 3s like we just hit goal, so I'm gonna be able to get it asap. Like once the Kickstarter officially ends. Yeah. And one of my stretch goals is actually to bring it into schools once the film is done. Mm-hmm make a curriculum or, like, an assembly formatting to go to schools across Mi'kmaq and Nova Scotia to educate both teachers and students alike. Like, this is... These are your classmates, technically. Mm-hmm. These are people in your community. This is the person that you're making fun of by doing autistic TikTok challenges.
0: What is... What?
1: Oh, there. this was a couple of weeks ago. There was the autism challenge on TikTok, and basically, you had to... One thing that autistic people do is we stim. We call it stimming. It's often referred to as fidgeting in people who aren't autistic or aren't ADHD. It's a self-regulating behavior. Um, Sometimes it's to calm us down from stress. Sometimes it's an expression of happiness... It's just a repetitive behavior we find very soothing. Mm-hmm. It's a form of body behavior and expression. Yeah. So this whole TikTok challenge was very exaggerated, fake, stimming, pretending to be an autistic person to humiliate us. Because, again, like we said earlier, kids are cruel and they will do anything for... Unfortunately, they will do anything for likes. Yeah. And thankfully, a lot of work by my autistic colleagues who, uh, who also do uh, work in, like, the U.S. and things like that, they actually got that challenge shut down. Like, I think now the hashtag is actually blocked on TikTok. Wow. Oh. So.
0: Wow. Yeah, kids are mean, man. Kids are, <laughs> kids are
1: mean. Like,
0: so, so um, you know, I was just wondering, would it, would it be easier to, like, Uh, reach out to say an arts organization like Canada Council of the Arts or I don't know what
1: yeah I unfortunately tried but like a lot of stuff is the grants are closed and it's really hard to do and apply for grants Mm -hmm. when you have a communication disability
0: oh yeah 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 yeah. it's
1: like hey I have a communication disability it's like how do I format this how do I communicate my needs and
0: you know, it's it's yeah. ironic you mentioned that because I think one of the things that I I I think as Nova Scotia does this and uh I think Canada Council does it too, but I'm not really sure, but I know as Nova Scotia does it where they try to make it more accessible. Yeah. And maybe this is something they don't know
1: yeah. of. Yeah. Um like related uh one thing that people don't think about is how autistic people are often not included in interview processes because you get marked for lack of eye contact for fidgeting. It's like, "Mm," you say the wrong thing and then "Mm, mm, 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 mm." nope. yeah. Um, Yeah. Like there is a reality that you're encouraged to self identify with whatever marginalization you face, but People still, I don't think, understand various intersections of marginalization because it's not just, it's like I don't just have, I'm not just a queer artist, I'm one with a communication disability. I, some people may use um, augmented and alternative communication, which is known as AAC, which is like touch-to-talk applications, which could limit their ability to do phone interviews to be uh, able to apply for grants. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it, again, is such you're only in certain time frames for this kind of thing. So if you're doing something out of that, you will have to wait till after the fact and then you'll have to have all the receipts. And it's it's limiting, unfortunately. Um, But the way I see it's like, like I said, whatever happens, this this is going to get made if it had to happen on a. 60 gig iPhone. It was gonna happen on six, 64 64 gig. I think it's 64 gig. It was gonna happen on 64 gig iPhone. It was gonna happen on a 64 gig iPhone. If it was gonna happen, yeah. If I had to like draw do a storyboard of it, it was gonna be a storyboard of it.
0: That is really inspiring. And like, I mean, when we go off camera, I'm gonna discuss, uh, cause like, I mean, my Avengers and I, we we yeah. run a production company, and there are things we might be able to do.
1: I'd be honored. <laughs>
0: yeah, because, I mean, so my whole thing is, r- like right now we're working on a documentary just highlighting the amazing queer people we have in the East Coast of Canada. But you have this intersection, yeah, which is like, you know, you are queer, but you are also dealing like autistic too. Yeah. So it's, it's, and then you're working on a strong name, And then y'all doing two jobs. I'm working
1: two jobs. It's like I'm dealing with the death of my father. I am just. My mom calls me a little whirlwind.
0: (laughs) So I guess how do you, how do you make it all work?
1: Honestly, it's passion. Like I enjoy my jobs. Honestly, my dream goal is to do something in the disability sector, whether it be occupational therapy or um, a disability access consultant to work with chambers of... Com- is it Chamber of Commerce? Chambers of Commerce? What's the plural? I, I don't know. I think that might be the I second think, one. Yeah, because it's a weird plural. Uh, yeah, I think it's the Chambers,
0: chambers of Commerce. Chambers of Commerce. It's yeah. a
1: weird word. Um, to work with, like, businesses to make sure that they're accessible. Mm. Um, how can we help with the hiring process? Things like that. But it's a lot of self-care it's it's passion like i'm doing what i do because i love it mm-hmm. um autistic people we have something called a hyper fixation a hyper focus or a special interest
0: that is actually not a bad thing that's that's yeah. one thing i suffer from like i'm like i want to do oh but i want to do this <laughs> but i learned that once i be, like you know, hone in Focused on this thing. Like, right now, the one... You know, I, I I mean, sometimes I turn my focus off it, but, like, the podcast is yeah. super focused on So, yeah. like, it works. It just... Yep. It works. Um, the other thing, I'm like, do the hyper... So, hyper, like, I believe in hyper-focusing it. Yeah. I think it's a special fucking skill. It's a skill.
1: It is. Like, for anyone who's not familiar, a hyper-focus or special interest is often found in people with ADHD or autistic. Um, people who aren't in those categories usually have a kind of amalgamation of some casual hobbies or interests mm. versus we, we have a one or one to three. It's not usually a big scope mm. of hobbies or interests that we just hone in. We will run it into the <laughs> ground. Um, <laughs> we will learn everything we can learn about it mm. because for us, it is a sense of comfort. Is we find a sense of identity in it. Mm. We, um, So for mine, mine big one is autism advocacy. So doing this kind of work is extremely fulfilling to me on a very, very deep level that I couldn't really explain or expect someone to understand if they weren't autistic themselves. It's not to be rude. It's just it is so... Intrinsic, it's part of our core mm-hmm. to us. The other one's Green Day, how like and Halloween pop punk stuff. So, I m- i can't do as much with that, so I might as well run with the advocacy work. <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna make Green Day the popping pop wait, punk wait,
0: thing. He's one of the Green Day people,
1: he's ADHD, Billy Armstrong, and,
0: and he makes comics, right?
1: That's Gerard Way of uh. Umbrella Academy and my chemical romance.
0: Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So I'm I mixed yeah, them close. up. But like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I well I found out that this so it's yeah. chemical romance, not Green yeah. Day.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Umbrella Academy. Yeah, yeah. Like I you I know binge what? watch that. Yeah, I need mean
0: too. So and and who's your favorite character of the kids? Uh,
1: I'm stuck between I have three, honestly. Okay. I love Klaus is my favorite. I adore Klaus. He's
0: amazing. He's so right? fun. Like, yeah, yeah.
1: He is the epitome. I think I like uh, him
0: more in the second season where he's He was a so guru. fun.
1: He was so fun. <laughs> he's just like such a lovable disaster of a character.
0: <laughs> and his story's so sad. I
1: know. It's like you this is a character, he's so much fun, but you wanna protect him with every fibre of your being. And
0: like he falls in love with that guy in the past, right? Yes. And oh man, okay, yeah, uh, who who's the second one?
1: Uh five. Like how can you not Obviously? Love yeah, how can what? you not love five? Like <laughs> Like he is, he is such a good, well-rounded character.
0: Right, 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 right. Like, and the casting is amazing. The, yeah. the kid playing Five is like a it's really, it's so really, talented. Yes, yes.
1: Like. You can't, you don't have the Umbrella Academy without five. Like, he is holding the weight of that team on right, his, sh- right, on his right. like 14-year-old-looking shoulders.
0: <laughs> okay, and who's the third one? Vanya.
1: I adore Vanya. Like, come on. We have oh, to, we have to, we have to yeah. rep Ellen Page. It's Nova Scotia. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, okay. Oh, man, yeah, so fun to talk to. <laughs> but, um, you know, like I said, once the camera is off, we'll, we'll talk about things that we could do for we you won yeah. strong name and um now that I guess with your Kickstarter done and you've hit your goal. We
1: hit goals twenty five hundred just to try and help so, offset some costs. Yeah and we're on stretch goals right now so
0: great what stretch goals. d I've never uh, the any. way
1: Kickstarter works is it's all or nothing. So if I didn't reach twenty five hundred, like mm. I could have raised two thousand four hundred and ninety nine. Mm nope. yeah so it is oh you have like a
0: deadline you have a
1: deadline it's a 30-day deadline oh so if you hit your goal within that time frame Mm -hmm. if you have time left over the campaign doesn't close Mm -hmm.
0: so you make something called
1: stretch goals to stretch out the rest of the campaign instead of like well we're closing up shop we still have three weeks but it's all (laughs) over and done with we're just gonna sit around now
0: okay so So stretch goals are like okay if we set an amount no
1: after the stretch goal um, it stay your goal stays at whatever it was at. So mm-hmm. a stretch goal is informal goals. Like, okay, we've hit this much. We've made goal. If we continue to fundraise and we hit X amount, we can do this. If mm-hmm. we hit Y amount, we can do that. Mm-hmm. So like the stretch goal would be like a shotgun microphone. So I don't have to constantly sanitize label mics and to improve the sound mm-hmm. or, uh, to hire a Nova Scotian or Mi'kmaq, uh web designer, uh, other stretch goal is to make a curriculum so I can bring it into schools as an education process. So that's what we're at now. It's like, okay, we hit goal. I'm not going to lose out on the 2500 So shout out to everyone who supported me there. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. So now it's just kind of try to keep the ball rolling because we actually hit it in nine days.
0: Wow. So <laughs> That is amazing.
1: Yeah. I, for like the first three days, we had stayed at like $200. I'm like, oh, <laughs> My sister... <laughs> My sister just looked at me. She's like, "I think it's a bust." (laughs) (laughs) So that was funny. It's like I think she, I think it's a bust. And then we hit a week later, we're we surpassed it. So
0: that is great.
1: That's really heartwarming because it really does. It's not for me. It's not just like hitting a fundraising goal. It Mm -hmm. shows to me that, especially since a lot of the fundraising was actually outside of Nova Scotia. Like we had people from the UK. We had people from. United States. We had somebody from freaking Sweden. Wow. And it shows that, like, there is a place for autistic people to share their stories. There is a place for us Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. when we
1: don't see ourselves in the media very often. Mm. Like, even in many shows where there are autistic characters, they're often not played by autistic people. So it shows to me, and it's showing the world whether it be nova scotia or all the way to absolutely sweden Mm. there is a place for autistic culture there's a place for autistic film and stories and community which is extremely heartwarming it's a little humbling (laughs) (laughs) no
0: no no i mean uh, you what you are doing is important and the feedback you're getting just shows how important it is really
1: yeah it's it's humbling it's like I never expected. I've, I've been kneecapped in the most loving way possible. Just, <laughs> I'm going down.
0: <laughs> oh man. Um, so Taylor, thank you so much for coming on the thank podcast. Thank you for today. so much for having me. And enjoy your float when you get it.
1: I can't wait. It's gonna be so fun. <laughs> I will give you my personal review on it. I we're can't gonna wait con- to hear We're that. gonna convince you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Thank you.
1: you. <laughs>